Hey, what's up? I'm Vanessa. I'm Mary. I'm Gillian. I'm Rupka, and this is the very latest episode of the Full Full Intebs podcast. Your go-to place for relatable content for the African diaspora down under. The black of the podcast, the sweeter the bands. Welcome back, guys. Um, today we have a very special episode. We have a fan favorite, Dr. Helen Edu Ketuku, um, joining us today to just Yay. talk about the whole, you know, Corona pandemic, mm. you know, them things, vaccinations and whatnot. Um, but firstly, how are you guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm surviving. I said that we're surviving out in the yeah. So. What more can you ask for at this point? Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. Helen, God bless you for checking in on me with these oh. two kids running the household. Oh. oh, you know, I feel you. I feel you. They, yeah, I know you, you feel me. Just letting Coco yeah. Melon just lead the way, teach our children. Coco, <laughs> Coco Melon with that Hitler youth? No, nah, man, I can't. <laughs> Who is Coco Melon? Yeah, um, spot the people who aren't there. Oh parents. my gosh. <laughs> Coco Melon is a YouTube sensation. It's literally, it's crazy how popular they are. People have like mm. Coco Melon themed parties. Oh. It's just, yes, yeah, it's, it's very wild. It's, it's, it's hard work. Is there like a black, like, kids? Unless party? you go to, um, like a country TV where they have like no, very subpar cartoons. They're, they're and trash like, too. <laughs> so bad. And the person yeah. that's singing is off key, like off. So it's just like we not found even worth one, it. We found one called Achille, which is I think Ugandan oh, yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah. My son is. loves it. Goes what bass for it? Uh, from yeah. Uganda. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Akili TV. That yeah. one's not too bad, but my my kids can't really get into it for some reason. Mm. If they're gonna watch anything like with black people, it has to be like live black people. So they watch yeah. Blackish, <laughs> and they watch um, oh. what's that family reunion? Blackish. Yeah, they watch Blackish. They're not sure for them. But like, <laughs> her kids are work you know. <laughs> and they watch that family reunion one with um, Tia. Maori. Come to me, Tia, yeah, Tia oh, Maori, oh, yeah, Housley, yeah, whatever yeah. her name. No, not Housley. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, wrong run. That's other, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the black, the black. Whatever her name. Wait, so they don't yeah. like black cartoons? Just like the ones that I found are just not, like it, like, it hurts their ears after a while. They can watch it, the the tree ones for a bit, because I feel like for them it's familiar, so they, okay. they're engaged, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not for long. Not as uh, as long as they would watch, like, well, actually, they're kind of off Coco Moon. Like, they watch just random stuff on YouTube sometimes. So, but, yeah. When they watch, like, Blackish, how long, like, Blackish is what, 25 minutes? Can they mm-hmm. sit there for 25 minutes? They don't, they never sit there for a TV show unless it's literally on their phone. That's why phones, I feel like, are worse in a way because it literally yeah. just, mm-hmm. like, takes all their attention. Yeah. Um, so unless it's on the phone, then yeah, he will be absorbed. But if it's on TV, he's just going in and out. But he'll be watching it like and maybe like playing with the truck and then looking up and stuff. So okay. mm. yeah, I like that. Ooh. That's happening because it's like he could, it's like he's seeing people that resemble him. So it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Yeah. Also, he likes those two shows. On mm. a random note, the trailer for the last season of Insecure came out. <laughs> 
I saw it. Real salt water. Um, I want to watch everything all over again. Yeah. Ella, can you tell us I'm secure late? Hey. I really did. And it was so worth it because then I was able to binge watch. I don't like you know, waiting yeah. each week for a new episode, it gives me yeah. anxiety. So I like to Can you tell the people things. how you found it? Because a lot of my friends have been like, where do I watch it? I'm like, babes, all the links for Mr. World Premiere yeah. probably expired. So I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Uh, watch like, series. Watch series has it. Promoting piracy. Because what's Yeah, I'm not promoting any piracy or anything, but no. anything goes when COVID is happening. So... Also, yeah. um, Put Locker is also quite, it's hit and miss, but you can find yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. However, also Binge, like com. Binge is actually a really yeah. underrated streaming service. They have oh, all the shows. Yeah. They, all the they shows. actually do. They actually okay. do. I agree. They have, okay, all, they have, they have The Wire. They have Insecure. Hey, they my friend, my friend, stop promoting it because more people find out tomorrow will be shut down. Yeah. No, binge is a no, binge is legit. It's a streaming one day. I was like, it's what do you mean? Oh, it's, it's not, not a fake. world premiere. No, yeah, no, it's we're not always criminals, Gillian. I don't mean it like us, we're getting it shut down, but those sites, more people continue watching it. Tomorrow you go yeah. check it, it's not there. No, but binge is a, it's actually cheap. But the thing is, the interface, like the UI, is actually quite shit. Like finding, mm. like they don't even show that the previous things you've watched and they don't even recommend things. I'm like, uh, UI is unmatched, but they have all they have everything. I don't even know what UI is, so I'm just oh, smiling. Yeah. User interface. Did you just, say UTI? I, <laughs> bro, if that's what it is, that's what it is. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I thought she said UTI. I was like, oh, no, man. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Like, oh, Helen. sorry. Another. Okay. So, Drake's album. <laughs> oh. God, let's, let's, I must say. No, to no, be addressed. No. First, I was like, you people are overhyping me. Why is everybody nah. Drake? I watched it because I read the first, I, I read, I listened You're to the Drake first saying. track. The I know, but I was listening to the first track. I'm like, oh, I'll listen to it later. Whatever. Tell me. What I want to listen to the whole thing. It's is it vibes. 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 <laughs> no friends no. in the, what is it? No industry. <laughs> no industry friends, bro. That's what. None of you are on Kanye. Mate, I couldn't even five. Same. First of all, why are they, I'm sorry, enough of these extremely long albums, babe. It feels like an assignment. Enough. Seriously. <laughs> enough. It is. Enough. It is. Enough. Yeah, they are. But I think it was fairly long as well. But you know what? I said the same thing. When I saw the Drake interview, I was like, right. I was like, he's joking, right? 21 tracks, I'm going to be pissed. But then yeah. I played it once, then I played it again. I was like, yeah, I'm surprised that this is finished. But Kanye's one? I was like, I can't yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm tired. Actually, good. But I didn't mind it. Yeah. I didn't yeah. mind um, Kanye's one. I kind of like, yeah. I, I like, I like the feel of the Drake track. said, yeah. she said she a lesbian. Girl, me too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Drake is too much. <laughs> Drake is. Oh, I bought just to say you should curry line. I thought that was, that was a good one too. No, do you know what? It's like, not a, that though. Is that Sorry, the, I would the wifey one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. does it go again? How, no how my members? It's no, something that. Oh, some I, you keep cutting out, so I can't hear. Never mind. Can't hear me. <laughs> we're cutting out. Yeah, me? you're cutting out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. Okay. Fair enough. 
Well, well now you're nice. last and please, so it doesn't matter anyway. The Ishikari yeah, last. Now you've, you've made you know me stress. Um, yeah. Drake knows How that about? we use his lyrics for Instagram captions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Must, yeah. Was a, because the one part that then look at everybody writing down all yeah. the captions. For he knows. No, he knows. Yeah. He knows. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He's definitely, you know what? He's like raised the generation of his music. So far, Gone came out when I was 12, and he's still shaking. Shaking up the mm. charts. I guess that's why he's the artist of the decade. He, he is. Right. 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 And Gladys lets us out. I'm having a listening party to it. Yeah. Tell it there'll be a new album by then. Like, <laughs> it'll be even gone. Stop being an EOP. <laughs> Right. Oh, Gillian just wants people to be at her house. You know how she is. <laughs> her house is for everyone. It's for the streets. Gillian <laughs> wants to be at her own house. Gillian <laughs> is the one who wants to be at her own Thank house. You. So, no, dear, she's Thank stuck you. in Canberra. Please. <laughs> we're allowed out. Everybody can come. Yeah, <laughs> but when we're allowed out, don't you want to be out of the house or not? Yeah, that too. There's outside, isn't there? There's more than oh. there's, there's six days in a week, babe. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Anyway, there's a reason why we're having this episode, not just to talk about drinks. Yes, so yeah. yeah, okay. Sorry, But there speaking of Instagram, good. though, mm-hmm. as a doctor, I'm sure that certain posts and stories of late have made you physically lose brain cells out of frustration, <laughs> like actually fried your brain, like put it in a pot with oil and like fried it like it's plantain so what especially surrounding the vaccine right what mm. are some of the most ridiculous or and or prominent misconceptions you've seen around the vaccine on social media going around i would say the most prominent misconception is that the vaccine is more dangerous than the disease um, so, so many people are obsessing about side effects, this, that, and the like with the vaccine and forgetting the reason why the vaccine was created in the first place, which is to take care of this deadly virus. So that's probably the one thing that's coming to the forefront. Other things include like, you know, microchips in the, in the vaccine, like, Oh, no. oh, I just like, I have you physically I've, heard this, or like this is what no, you've seen? I've seen I've seen I've seen it on social media. I've not had yeah. patients come in and say I'm afraid of the microchips. I think the vast majority of people are just like, well, that's a bit far fetched. And I just yeah. feel like the the phone that I carry probably knows more about me than this microchip will. The microchip will just tell my temperature. You know what that's I mean? Literally like literally what I always say. Do you know what I friend. mean? Like. Ah. yeah so so that that was like one of the weirdest things that i had seen and then um other misconceptions but valid questions were you know the vaccine affecting fertility um long-term effects of the vaccine um things along those lines uh have been what i've come across mainly when it comes to people having misunderstandings so I don't feel like the questions that people are asking about the vaccines are incorrect. I just feel like the source of answers that they're getting are from incorrect places. Wow. Okay. And so in, in, in stemming off that then, so I sent you um, a whole bunch of, you know, questions and things like that privately because I know that I'm quite in touch with like 
a lot of people that have genuine concerns and are quite fearful of the mm-hmm. vaccine. And unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of counter messaging from credible sources like, you know, um, the government or, you know, even on ads and things like that. Mm-hmm. They have like this fear tactic scare campaign thing that's going on. So people are just like, well, that's not really, you know, counteracting any kind of narratives that I've heard about the vaccine. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, then how would people be like, apart from, you know, going to health.gov, how would people be getting more valid sources of information to counteract that that narrative, the negative okay. narrative that's out there? Okay, so I think we spoke about it on the last episode about making sure that you have your own GP and somebody that you trust so that if you need to source information, you can go to them and talk to them about it. So what I'm finding is that people are looking to social media to try and find answers sorry they're looking to social media to find answers but they're not actually looking at sources of people who are trained in healthcare they're looking at you know people in their community that are making sense to them um but i do think it's necessary for you to find your own gp and talk to them i am currently picking up my son so late from daycare he's the last person there because i am on the phones constantly to patients And they are coming to me with their videos. They're coming to me with, you know, I saw this on social media. I've read this on the internet. And it's just me taking my time to go through it with them and saying, this is the reason why this is not credible. This is the reason why this is not right. So I would say the most reliable source for you is to actually go and speak to your doctor. And that's if you've got a good rapport with them. Don't go to a random medical centre and expect that somebody's going to take the time to talk to you. They don't know you. So <laughs> you're not going to, they don't. So that you may not get yeah. the reception that you're looking for. So I would say try and forge that relationship. If you, if you already have a good GP, go and speak to them about it. Mm. Has the demographic of people that are mostly worried, is it mainly the older group or is it no. kind of across the board? It's not the older group. I find that the older group have probably lived through a lot of health issues or a lot of pandemics and epidemics in their lifetime and so this is just another thing that's happened and so a lot of the elderly people just want to get themselves protected more than anything else it's more so our generation and the generation beneath us who have access to all this social media and so many different platforms to get misinformation that are probably the most skeptical about what's out there and you know is uh, you know what is the information is it true is it not true so i don't find that elderly people are as resistant as i am with younger people okay well let's let's get into it then so in terms of for example the misconception of um you know the vaccine causing miscarriages or being harmful to pregnant women yeah, I have a lot of conspiracists or just hesitant people that yeah, unfortunately yeah. it's a lot of word of mouth. So, for example, this in a particular group, somebody heard that a friend got the vaccine and then a couple of days later they miscarried. So, obviously, that narrative then was very much etched in their head that anything else that anyone else would tell them, they you can't tell them otherwise. Um, and then obviously when the first, when the vaccines first came out, they advised 
that people um, that were pregnant um, shouldn't get it. And now they've changed the narrative to say that people that are pregnant should now be fine getting it and people don't understand this kind of mm. disconnect it's like where along the way did this become okay so mm. for example what would you say to somebody that's concerned about like their fertility when mm. taking the COVID vaccines so first and foremost sorry to your friend that miscarried because that's a devastating thing to happen uh, unfortunately um, the reality is and it's probably something we as women need to talk about a lot more miscarriage is incredibly common it's actually one in four women that will miscarry when it comes to pregnancy so miscarriage is not an unusual thing to occur um, the linkage between the vaccine and infertility and affecting fertility, um, that is actually a myth. So essentially the, the rumour came out when um, they were first doing the vaccine. I think it was the initial um, head of Pfizer and some other dude that decided that they wanted to put out a petition to halt on um, actually doing further trials with the vaccine because they were worried that it may cause problems with fertility. They acknowledged in their petition that they had no evidence of that. Um, then when the further research came and all of that was debunked because it had already been out there, it kind of spread like wildfire. So while we have the evidence right now showing that, no, this isn't linked with causing miscarriages or infertility issues, all it takes is just a little bit. We all know how to place Chinese whispers. We know that you hear one bit of information and then it goes around and around and around and what you get at the end is not what it started off as. Now, there has been a study done in the US of over 35,000 pregnant women who have received the vaccine, the vaccine that is being recommended by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is Pfizer, um, although... AstraZeneca and Moderna have also been seen to be safe um, in pregnancy. Um, they have recommended that women get it. And mainly because once you form those um, antibodies to the actual virus, so antibodies being part of your defense mechanism in your immunity, you can actually pass that to your child in breast milk um, while breastfeeding. So you're essentially passing on immunity onto your child as well. So that's why it's been recommended that pregnant ladies actually get um, actually get vaccinated. So it has been proven to be um, quite safe to use in pregnancy and that it has the added benefit of actually taking care of the infant as well. That's interesting. I was just going to say, that's a very good explanation. And mm. I'm just also at the same time disappointed why that hasn't been made clear. Uh, here's what I would say to that. Um, stop and think about who you follow on your social media. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm part of a, a medical practice. So I, I, I have friends that are doctors. I have friends that are nurses. They're on my timeline. So when people are releasing information to do with COVID, most of them are releasing it from sources that I deem to be you know, safe and reasonable resources and are normally scientific based. So on my timeline, I'm seeing a lot of people giving great facts. On anybody else's timeline, I don't imagine that is what you're going to be getting because I don't imagine that the people that you are surrounded by are always going to be scientists or, you know, are in that particular field. And there is a lot of people with very strong opinions. And I think we're in the day and age where we feel like our opinion is fact. And that is quite problematic and people are using their voices to, 
to sort of direct the narrative and that is where the problem is coming from. So I agree with you, there hasn't been a great stream of information or if the information is out there, it's quite convoluted and you probably need someone to decipher it for you. So from my perspective, I, I do agree with you in the sense that yes, there could be a better way of releasing that information. Um, but that also being said, who are you surrounded by? Who are you, who, who's talking on your timeline that you're exposed to as well? Um, piggybacking off the, um, of the infertility kind of um, myth, I actually, walking around my area, I found, like, posters on, like, a, whatchamacallit, telegraph pole. And it's pretty much the conspiracy that, you know, these quote-unquote elites, it's the favourite mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist word, um, would, are, are aiming to lower the world population via a vaccine by killing us. So it has, like, uh, you can't say it, but it has, like, Bill Gates, some quote from him 80, 80 years ago, sorry, 20 years ago in the 80s, saying that, oh, if I were to lower the world population, I'd use a vaccine, blah, blah, blah. Um, how would you respond to people who who feel that the government has an agenda in terms of um, inter- an, an ulterior agenda in terms of getting people vaccinated as opposed to just general public health? Um, I guess my first approach would be compassion. I think in this day and age, it's becoming an us versus them, the people who want to get vaccinated versus the people who don't want to get vaccinated. And I feel like tempers are running high. And for that very reason, people are rather shouting at each other than taking the time to really listen and absorb where their fears and concerns are coming from. So the first and major thing is to come with compassion. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. Tell me what you've heard. Where did you hear it from? Why do you believe it? Um, What is your understanding when it comes to immunizations? I think the biggest thing that I've learned as a healthcare professional is that health literacy isn't what I thought it was. I thought a lot of people understood what vaccinations did, but when I stop and think about it, who's really going to go into depth and look at, you know, the the cascade pathway of, of you know, immunity and your know, B cells and you, nobody's really going to do that. Ain't nobody got time for that. So as far as people understanding the minutia of why vaccines work and how beneficial they are, a lot of people don't. And, I'm also finding out that a lot of people have not been vaccinated for a lot of things beforehand because they didn't see the point in it. So I think when people are coming to you with their fears and thinking that it's a government agenda, the biggest thing that needs to happen is laying everything on the line. Why do you believe what you believe? Where did you get your information from? What was it like growing up in your household? What was the kind of discussions that you were having around health? Did you have a perspective that health providers were part of the government, they've just got an evil agenda, or did you grow up in a household where there were healthcare providers and so you're used to hearing that sort of rhetoric and therefore you're more open to it. Once you have an understanding of what the person's expectations are, you can then deliver information to them. And I think the more compassionate you are, the more likely they are to listen to you. How would you, just how you said about a lot of people don't really know how vaccine work, vaccines work, um, could you just give a dummy ex- like explanation of how vaccines do work and obviously specifically talking about COVID-19 because that is another argument that a lot of people have. If I get the vaccine, I'm still going to get the, I could still get the virus anyway, I could still pass it on, so what's the point? Okay. 
So um, basically think of your body as a $10 billion mansion, you know, it's unique, it's your own, okay? Um, and unfortunately in the neighbourhood there's been a thief or some sort of robber or some sort of goon that wants to come in and destroy what's happening with you. A vaccine is essentially a snapshot of the um, culprit that's about to cause the problem, okay? And what that does is it produce, it sends the body a message saying, look out for this guy. What your body then does is produce an immune response. And an immune response is literally just a defense mechanism. Your body's way of saying, okay, if this person comes around or if this problem comes around, how are we best going to deal with it? Now, the issue with our immune system is that it takes a little bit of time. First and foremost, it needs to recognize what the problem is. Then it needs to find the most appropriate way to defend itself against that particular problem. So what you will find is that when you have a virus or a pathogen of any sort introduced to the body, your body will just take its time to just suss it out and then build up its immune response to say, okay, this is a problem. And what our bodies do, which is really amazing, Amazing is that it creates this memory so that if this same virus or pathogen comes our way again, its response can be a lot faster than it was the very first time that it's been seen. So the objective of the immunization is to give a snapshot of what that pathogen is. It's normally not a live virus that is being introduced to your body. It's normally um, something that has been treated so that it's either the shell or a portion of the virus. So once you get that injection, you are not going to get the disease. You are merely having a snapshot of what it looks like so that if it does come around, you have that defense mechanism in place. So getting the vaccine, showing you what the virus is, building your immune response, making sure that you don't get the disease and overall trying to prevent you from having long-term complications from that disease itself. So just like going off what you were saying about vaccines in general, is there anything that like um, distinguishes this, this vaccine being COVID regardless of if it's Moderna or Pfizer or whatever? Is there anything different about it um, in terms of how it works or um, how quickly it was made? Because I know a lot of people are weary about, you know, how quickly it was conjured up. Um, or is this just because of hypervigilance because of how publicised COVID is? Uh, no, I think that that concern is quite valid. Uh, so Pfizer is probably a different type of vaccine. It's the new type of vaccine. It is an mRNA form of vaccine. Um, we haven't seen anything like it before, although the technology has been worked on for quite some time. Um, so the reason why the vaccine has been made in such a fast period of time is the disease in and of itself has affected the whole entire world. It's affecting trade, it's affecting travel. Um, so you literally got the whole entire world working at the same time on finding information, researching and formulating a vaccine for this particular disease, which is not what we've seen in years before. Normally with other viruses like Ebola or Zika, it's normally in particular regions. And so it's up to that region to then provide the funding and things to actually formulate that vaccine. In this case, it's everywhere. So now you've got everywhere actually trying to get this vaccine made and really it's so that we can go back to to being normal so it may feel like it's gone really really fast but when you've got an incredible amount of funding and you've got people working on things around the clock it's 
probably the same amount of information that you would have gotten over a period of years, but in a very short period of time. Um, so getting back to the types of vaccines. So in Australia, we have two main types of vaccines. We've got Pfizer and we've got AstraZeneca. Pfizer is an mRNA form of vaccine. Now, basically what that means is that it's taken a particular component of the COVID virus, namely the spike protein on COVID. So COVID um, as a virus has a little spike on it, which then attaches itself to our normal cells and then it injects its um, genetic information into our cells, which causes the replication of the virus to occur. Those replications of viruses infect other parts of our cells and that's where you start getting symptoms like fever, um, you know, headache, muscle cramps and all of those sorts of things. So what the mRNA vaccine looks to do is um, to take a particular portion of the virus itself and um, that part is called RNA and it gives us information on how to make that spike. Um, one, when you give that information to our cells to make the spike, our immune system recognises that, okay, this spike is what's causing the problem. Let's create antibodies, which is our defence mechanism, against this spike. So with any sort of virus or bacteria, they act in a particular way, which means that a vaccine needs to be given. There, there are different types of vaccines and they, it has to be tailored according to how that virus or bacteria works. So essentially what happens is that you've got that little spike produced in your body. It's not going to cause the disease, but it's there. Your antibodies kick in and it goes, okay, we realize now that when this virus comes in and has this particular spike, this is the kind of immune response that we need to have. Kill it, kill it now. So with this mRNA vaccine, it's actually quite good because it's able to be formulated quite quickly, um, hence the fastness of it. The difference between Pfizer and AstraZeneca AstraZeneca is um, something called a viral vector um, immunization, where it is actually using a previously known um, virus or um, infection, such as adenovirus, cutting out a bit of that part and putting a little bit of the COVID um, pro spike protein in there so that your body can recognize it and again, build an immune response to it um, and therefore fight it when it sees that virus again. So they work quite differently, um, hence having different symptoms when you have the injections. Um, just a question. So for future vaccines, are they still going to be made with this, like with this, this technology you're talking about, the mRNA? Most likely, one, because it's quite fast to make and two, because it works quite well. Okay. Um, so I do believe that they probably will. But that being said, there are so many studies that are happening simultaneously as far as what to do for this virus. So whether, you know, we're looking at tablets, you know, whether we're looking at supplements, whether we're looking at other things, like it's not just the vaccines that they're focusing on. There are a whole bunch of um, other studies that are going on at the same time as well. So in the future, who knows, you might just be able to take a pill. Okay. Cool. I didn't know the difference. Well, as you said, like an everyday person is not going to really do that type of research to understand. I just thought, yeah, same thing, two different companies made them. Um, and obviously there's a preference, you know, Pfizer's like this sought out, you know, drug that no one can get a hold of. And then mm -hmm. AstraZeneca, um, the only thing people really attach to it is blood clots. All of a sudden, we're allowed to use it um, and the under, under 40s were recommended to not use it. So 
I think that like that was actually really helpful to, to explain the difference between the two. Um, and because people, the people that I know that have had both have had such adverse reactions to, to both and mm. such different reactions in terms of like what you tell your um, patients. Obviously you need to assess any underlying medical issues, right? Yes. There's no, GPs don't have a preference, do they, of like which vaccine to give? Because I remember, Rebecca, how you were saying your GP didn't really, wasn't really encouraging of you taking AstraZeneca. Yeah, they were so like, are you like sure, kind of. Yeah, yeah. a bit of favouritism. Yeah, um, this I believe has probably been handled very poorly um, by the media. Um, and it's one of those things that you look at in hindsight and yeah, you, you can say a lot of things in hindsight, but at the time, what else could you have done when there's a side effect that comes up, you have to announce it. You have to announce it because God forbid you don't. And somebody finds out about it. It's you guys didn't tell us that this could possibly cause X, Y, Z. And that brings even more fears. So as far as the generation of clots is concerned with regards to AstraZeneca, it is actually a very, very rare side effect. Um, and the likelihood of you getting a clot from AstraZeneca is far less than you getting really sick from COVID. And I think that that's what is quite frustrating to me is that people are more afraid of the vaccine than they are of the actual disease, and that is problematic. Um, with regards to, you know, vaccines, you know, causing death and all of that kind of stuff, with AstraZeneca, it's a one in a million chance of AstraZeneca causing a reaction so bad that you die, whereas it's a one in 38 chance of you dying from COVID. So if you don't know the numbers, you don't know what to be afraid of. Um, so getting back to the preference with the vaccines, um, because people had heard about blood clots, um, they immediately thought, I can't have it, you know, that's terrible. Meanwhile, if I were to say to somebody, you can never travel again because when you fly for a long period of time, you can have a blood clot, I'm guaranteeing you, any of you who have a passport and are free to fly, you're still flying, right? Yeah. I'm looking at you, Vanessa. I'm looking at you, Vanessa. But I think what makes it worse, like I'm pretty sure I think yesterday or the day before, I read a story that said another death linked to the vaccine. Like yeah. the media's obviously not helping because that's what they keep reporting. They keep reporting yeah. these AZ deaths. And it's like mm -hmm. when you look, and as you're saying, like when you look at it, the grand scheme of things, it's maybe like five out of six million, but mm -hmm. that but hearing death sounds way bigger than hearing 6 million people survived. Not to mention like yeah. the pill. Can't you get blood clots from... Exactly. You can get blood clots from being pregnant. You can get blood clots from taking the pill. You can get blood clots from being over the age of 40. You can get blood clots from driving for more than four hours. There are so many reasons. But the thing that is associated with AstraZeneca is not your regular blood clot. It's actually um, something called thrombosis, thrombocytopenia. It is a very rare form of clot. So that's the reason why when people hear, like, it can form a blood clot, they're not really understanding that 
what people are forming are very rare things. And normally those who have formed it had other predisposing factors, which is why it's super important that if you are going to get the vaccine, you have a chat with your doctor. They look at your general health and decide, okay, is it safe for you to have? Is it not safe for you to have? And I have to agree the messaging that has been released with regards to AstraZeneca has been appalling because one day it's, you can't have it. The next day you can have it. And it's creating confusion. So when I see patients coming in saying, I don't want to have it, I say to them, look, I can completely understand where you're coming from because you haven't had clear and concise information about AstraZeneca. Meanwhile, you can still get pretty strong side effects from Pfizer as well. And it seems to be like that is ignored because we've heard so much about AstraZeneca. People are just like, okay, Pfizer is the golden standard nothing can happen to you with Pfizer. No, you can still feel quite unwell with it. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how unwell you feel with the vaccine, if you got the disease itself, it would be so much more worse. And that is what we're trying to get people to understand. The disease still exists. The reason for these vaccines is because this disease is so deadly. That is why we're doing all of this. So it's quite, it's quite hard um, to keep cool and you know explain that to people because it's 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 just a source of frustration at this point in time um with the COVID itself um vaccines aside there's also a lot of misconceptions about the virus and you know what what whether we should bother like living like this in, in in pursuit of avoiding it if it's even worse if it's even as deadly as it as it's being portrayed to be what's the difference mm-hmm. between this and other viruses that have been out there. Um, what do you feel like are the most prominent and dangerous misconceptions about COVID? And can you provide some explanations that debunk, debunk them? Um, I think people think that COVID is new. Um, coronavirus uh, belongs to a family of coronaviruses. And we've actually met this form of virus before back in 2002 when SARS came out. Most of us would have been in high school, but at the time it was just focused primarily in Asia, mainly in China. So it really wasn't affecting us. This is like a mutation or variant of it. So the family of coronavirus is not new. It's just these variants that have come out right now are. And the issue with these variants is that they're quite contagious and they're spreading quite fast. Um, So that is what's caused this big uproar um so when it comes to i guess explaining to people um why they shouldn't be afraid of what we're doing because is it's part and parcel because we've actually got at least 20 years worth of information about this family of viruses in the first place um if you could repeat your question because i just went blank i heard my kid in the background (laughs) Some explanations to debunk the misconceptions of around coronavirus and what are the most dangerous misconceptions you've seen or really off the mark misconceptions? Off the mark. Yeah, off the mark misconceptions. Okay, it's not it's not the flu. If it was the flu, we'd be okay because we've already got vaccinations for the flu and we have been dealing with influenza for time. This is not the flu. Um, People thinking that, just natural immunity is safe. Um, I think that people don't recognise that, yes, while some people will get coronavirus and recover just fine, they're not aware that there can be some long-term effects from coronavirus and therefore um, 
it's really important that we try and prevent it because you don't know how it's going to affect you down the track. And that's the whole premise of immunizations anyway, to try and prevent the chronic problems that you could get down the track from a virus or a bacterial infection. So um, while natural immunity is great, um, it does take time to kick it, kick in and you can experience a lot of side effects from the virus until then. And those side effects can be problematic for you. So um, that's another one of the things that I think people are not aware of. Um, other things is that, you know, just thinking that you can drink garlic or, or, or lemon or vitamins. Look, I don't mind what you eat and drink as long as you are healthy um, if it makes you happy to, to, to drink garlic juice, okay. But don't think that that is what's going to save you. Um, so to, I, I don't know about you guys, but if you've been getting the WhatsApp links and it's probably coming from your own family members, you know, saying that, you know, ginger and, you know, lemon and, and hot chili and all of those things will be enough to take care of the virus. It's, it's not. Dan Murphy's will also not save you, okay? Alcohol is not going to save you from this virus either. There is a lot of people who are looking for naturalistic methods of, of trying to get rid of this virus, and it's just it's not the truth. It's actually more debilitating. Um, I guess another thing is that thinking that if you've gotten it once, you can't get it again. Um, you can obviously get reinfected with it. Um, so if you survived it once doesn't mean that you can't come across it again and become even worse. Um, so that's also something that I think people need to understand too. Just going off that as well, because I feel like there has also been um, discussions. Like I said, I have a lot of contrarian friends um, and it's like, well, if there's always going to be a variant, there's always going to be some new, you know, variant of the disease. What's the point of getting the vaccine? What would you say to those types of people that are just like, don't feel like the vaccine is really going to help because it just seems like this week it's a gamma strain. Next week it's, you know, I don't know, just like random strains that we haven't heard of. So they mm. feel like there's no point. Like they just feel like what's the point? Like they feel mm. like there's no hope basically. And again, I can completely understand. So um, the reason why we are getting different strains is because the virus keeps spreading, it keeps replicating, and then it starts to mutate. The objective of the vaccine is to provide you with a protection so that it can't replicate and therefore cannot continue to mutate in that way so that we get those new and wonderful strains occurring. Um, normally those new strains are coming from places where they've just had so many COVID cases um, and that's how it's managed to mutate itself. And mutation is something that happens in our body on a regular basis and normally our bodies are really good at taking care of it. Um, but with this particular virus, if you keep letting it go wild, it's kind of like a fire. You don't just let a fire run free through the bushes. You have to contain it so that, you know, everything around it can be safe as well. So with regards to the vaccine, the objective of it is um, to stop that replication from occurring so that if you do come in contact with it, you're not getting infected with it, you're not having an opportunity for that to replicate, you're not having an opportunity for it to mutate, and you're not giving it that opportunity to then form another strain of, of um, coronavirus. So 
while I can understand where they're coming from, if you don't understand the science, it's not going to make sense to you. True. Um, with, I, I'm just interested to know what like a day-to-day looks like for you um, at work as a GP with this, obviously in Sydney, the cases are pretty, pretty high. Um, so what is this like a, a day to a typical day in your life look like now? And like, what, what, what new advice are you kind of giving? Obviously with lockdown, prolonged lockdown, mental health is a big, big issue as well. Have you seen a spike um, in people coming to you for, for support for mental health issues? Yeah. Has there been any changes in our community, like issues in our community? Sorry, that's like three questions in one. So I think the first question was, what does a day uh, in this new life look like for me? It looks pretty shit, I'll say it. Um, you know, uh, I'm frontline worker, so my kid goes to daycare, so you already have that guilt and fear as well because you don't know what people do at home. You don't know what they're bringing to school, so you're already anxious. Then you get to work, and I can't just wear normal clothes I have to wear protective clothing I have to wear a mask Um, the vast majority of my patients are on the phone now rather than face-to-face because we're trying to reduce contact that being said my particular clinic is inside a shopping complex right next to a Woolworths so if my patient decides to get some groceries done before they come and see me. I don't know who they've come in contact with. Then they come and sit in my uh, waiting room and I don't know what's happened. So we've had a few scares where, you know, patients have come in contact with it and it's literally hours and hours on end trying to call public health and trying to organize new tests for them and how to like, it's a totally new age. Now I'm on the phone all the time and people don't have good phone etiquette. Some people can't hear you properly. Some people don't know how to answer their phone. It, it's just frustrating and it's, it's long. It's, it's long. It's tiring. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a burnout um, to be existing in these times. And then on top of that, we're doing vaccines, which means that we're going through a lot of information Um, trying to alleviate a lot of anxiety that people have towards the vaccine before we even give it to them. So that's time consuming. Um, And then dealing with people's mental health. Um, Isolation has never been the friend of mental health. And there are a lot of people who are now isolated. They can't see their family. They can't be around their friends and they're struggling. And even though you try and offer them options, most people want face-to-face contact. So they're often quite reluctant to even take the offers that you give them when it comes to mental health. Like you can call this person or you can do telehealth with that person. A lot of people are quite resistant to that, which is quite frustrating. So um, yeah, in our community in particular, I don't feel like I've met too many people from the African community coming in to my clinic in particular, but um, we come from big families, you know, so not being able to see certain parts of your family because of the lockdown, I imagine will be very hard for people. Um, I imagine that people would not be coping. And if you're already in a community that struggles to understand mental health, I don't think that they would fully understand or um, be reciprocal to the feelings that okay I might be going through a depression or an anxiety so that's also very difficult to kind of fathom as well um just 
backtracking a little bit, um, I know that um, you kind of mentioned people coming up with their own, you know, concoctions to get rid of COVID. Um, and recently there's been um, talks of like a treatment called like ivermectin and mm-hmm. then also like a vitamin or something called bromelain or something for prevention. Um, so in terms of those kinds of um you know, methods of dealing with COVID, how would you, yeah, what do you say to that? Like, is there any research behind it? Is it? There is, is actually that, or you actually read about all this? Well, that information just is that from your group chat or you've read about all this? It's literally from my group chat. But also, oh, wow. um, Joe Rogan contracted coronavirus and took that ivalactin stuff. It's actually meant for ivermectin. Oh, for horses. Yeah, it's meant to be for horses. Yeah, it's a horse medicine. So it's not and necessarily, not necessarily. And didn't so, Joe um, Rogan say that? Didn't Joe Rogan say that that's what saved him? He's got oh. the disease. What do you mean? How has it saved him? No, like that's <laughs> no, that's what like that's what what um kind of he like healed. Yeah, that's what uh, treated him. Yeah, I think how would so. he know though? There was, there was an article that like he's used something and he's, he swears by it. I didn't know that's what it was. Okay. All right. Well. Let's hear. Uh, Ivermectin is an anti-parasitic medication often used for things like Norwegian scabies. That's where you've got a crap load of scabies, which are little tiny mites that fall on your skin and stuff like that. So it it has been used as an anti-parasitic. And the theory behind the use of Ivermectin is that it's meant to stop the replication of the um, virus itself. So there have been some studies but nothing conclusive has come from it i mean it's 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 difficult because people will say things and then people just jump onto the bandwagon i mean trump said drink bleach you know so i'm sure that the numbers of people consuming bleach went up that month so (laughs) i i feel people have to be very very cautious when they're hearing about alternative medications to use uh, if you do have any questions, take it to your GP. Um, you also mentioned bromelain, which is essentially like a a natural enzyme that comes from the stem of pineapples, you know, um, and that too is meant to stop inflammatory processes. Again, there are studies that are going on, but no conclusive evidence. So I think what people need to understand is that Yes, there are other studies that are happening. There's nothing wrong with knowing about those other studies, but we also need to be cautious about what those results have said, whether there's been any adequate conclusions before you run out and go and buy some ivermectin for no reason, you know? So, yeah, plenty of, um, plenty of studies going on. It's not a myth. It's just not conclusive. That's what I, my take-home message would be about that. Is there because there's not enough data? on it or like there's not about cases of people contracting it and then using it and then like there's linkages like yeah so it's when when it comes to to research particularly medical research is a particular way of us doing it so randomized control trials is what we normally like to do and that's essentially a shitload of research with a crap load of people so that we have a lot of information and we can sort of cull it down so it's about formulating that, that, that experiment in and of itself, getting enough um, participants in it, doing the trials and getting succinct information from there. And I feel like 
it's probably not received as much um, funding or as much attention as vaccines because we already know that vaccines do work. So that's probably why it's lagging as far as is it conclusive or is it not conclusive. All right. Lastly, oh, sorry. Uh, there's more, there's more. One more. Lastly, I think there's um, a lot of apprehension when it comes to the vaccine as well, just because, like you said, with COVID, we don't really know the long-term effects. There's another argument that we don't know the long-term effects of vaccines and things like that. Is there, like, some kind of comparison, like, with other, like, how can you kind of, you know... Um, not, yeah, counteract that narrative or give them some kind of consolation as to why maybe a vaccine would be the best route to go through when we're combating COVID. So with COVID, we do know that there are long-term effects. There is a condition called long COVID. So someone who has contracted COVID may be having symptoms that go on for 12 months plus. So we have seen some of the complications of the disease in people already. Uh, with regards to long-term effects of vaccines, I think that the thing that people don't understand is that the vaccine doesn't stay in your system. The vaccine actually gets disintegrated within your system after a few days and any response that you're having is actually your immune response building that defence mechanism. So I think that people assume that once you get that injection, it's just lingering on in your body and just having a party and, you know, laying eggs places and doing all of that kind of stuff. And that's not the case. <laughs> So I, when people say we don't know the long-term effects, well, in general, we've been doing vaccines for a few centuries now. Um, and with the majority of vaccines, if we're going to see any sort of side effects, it's normally within the first one to six weeks. And so we've had trials done with this vaccine where it has been reviewed after that six-week period to see if there's any sort of long-term side effects going on. And we've just seen that there really isn't. So when people think about long-term side effects, I feel like they think that you know, they're being injected by like the spidey radioactive something and it's going to go into their system and they're going to end up being mutants or something like that when the truth of the matter is the substance really isn't even in your body for that long. Um, so, yeah. I feel like it's really interesting now that because I don't think we've been in a time where we've gotten new vaccines. Like, you know, we've always known that yellow fever has been around. We've known that meningococcal has been around. We've known that whooping cough has been around. But we've, I don't feel like many of us have been around to actually see the introduction of a new vaccine. And we don't understand how the vaccine is made. So then, so even hearing that, I'm just like, oh, wow. So that's how a vaccine is made. Because like, you're just told, go and get a vaccine. Like it, it's, it's mm. this normal thing to you. But now something new is being made in our time. It's like, no, wait, what the hell? Like, how could you come up with this? Because before I knew vaccines always existed, how can you tell me you just made one up? So yeah. I understand how it can be very difficult to, to trust it. Mm. But then at the same time, I'm like, but if you always get vaccines, what's the difference? Mm. I mean, we have existed in a time of new vaccines. I mean, we've had the new HPV or Gardasil vaccine coming out. Oh, time. yeah, true. Um, yeah, we have that. Yeah. Um, and that's been introduced because, you know, we want to try and reduce the risk of having cervical cancer in young women. So that true, vaccine has true. been given to both male and female in high school. Um, so we do, we have existed in a time where there's new vaccine. I think that the issue is the fact that we are overly saturated with the information of COVID. It is at work, it is on your social media, and I don't think it's natural for us 
to be hearing that one these all the time you can't escape it so now that we're talking about vaccines you turn on the tv Woolworths, they're rolling up their sleeve for the vaccine you're seeing the people from the block rolling up their sleeve for the vaccine all you are hearing is people rolling up their sleeves for the vaccine go get your jab go get your jab people can go out if they get their jab it's all you're hearing so it feels like it's more than what it is because you can't escape it Every day you hear about it. So, so, so how you're obviously going to have angst about it because it's just why they keep telling me about this sort of thing. Give me time to breathe. Let me think about it a bit. It's everywhere you go. So I'm finding that a lot of people feel very forced and I I understand that sensation. I feel forced Mm -hmm. to go out and get this vaccine because it's all I ever think about. I can't return to work. If I don't do it, I can't do this. If I don't do, I can't do that. If I don't do it. And I want to say that as a healthcare professional, I get it. I get where you're coming from. It is not a situation of me saying I don't understand frustration that people may be experiencing. Like, why are you making me do this? Um, So I I recognize why people will be feeling very, very apprehensive about getting this vaccine because it feels very forced. Um, But being on the other side and understanding the necessity of the vaccine kind of puts me in that middle ground where I'm just kind of like, I get where you're coming from, but I also get where they're coming from. Let me try and help you reach a a happy medium so that you can understand it too. Well, on that note, thank you so much for giving us, schooling us on all the conspiracy theories and the COVID and the vaccines. Very, very important stuff. It's very important work that you're doing. Thank you for all your important work that you're doing. It's definitely super hard right now being in all that gear. (laughs) It doesn't look fun. (laughs) Um, My mum's always coming home from work in the grumpiest mood because she's like double masked, has to wear the the thing visor and then has to wear like this cape. It's, it's, a lot. Just, it's hot. It's, it's hot. Uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not flattering. It's nothing. <laughs> it's not cute at all. Uh-uh, um, at so all. thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your free time. Um, in- Can I just add as well? Yeah, um, sure. Don't take don't take my word for it. I have made some resources so that if you do want to go and do your own reading you do that if you want to take it to your gp you do that information is power but where you get that information is also important so if you haven't changed your mind at all from this podcast that's completely okay take your time read up on information get well informed and if you have questions go to the right sources to get your answers amen Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. Thank you you guys, and we'll catch you in our next episode. Bye. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, it's Rebka, and I'll be doing Black Excellence today. This time around, we're shining the spotlight on sustainable beachwear brand, Saivali Swim. The brand was founded by a Sierra Leonean Australian who was inspired by the beautiful simplicity of sand, skin and sun, and is dedicated to her grandmother, who she never got to meet. Presently, the line carries bikinis, sarongs, hats and belly chains, but is set to expand their offerings soon. Saivali Swim is also extremely dedicated to ensuring it has a low carbon footprint. All of their bikinis are made of Reprieve, a fibre made from recycled plastic bottles that also boasts breathability and stretch. Their sizing ranges from extra small to double XL 
and models of all shapes, sizes and complexions are featured in their promotion, demonstrating Seivali Swim's inclusivity and willingness to cater to all types of women. To shop their range, head to their website, seivali.com.au. Or to keep up with the brand's latest happenings, follow them on Instagram at buysavali.com.